I want to get right into the sermon because today we're going to be talking about a man who made a decision that drastically affected his life. And you could even say that decision affected us even today. I'm going to be reading from the, the gospel of Genesis, the 13th chapter. I'll be reading verses 8 through 11. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close rivals. Is not the whole land before us? So let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Look, look around. And Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we enter this portion of, of the experience, Lord, in the service here this morning, we ask for the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are nothing without the Holy Spirit. I'm just so thankful the way we have worshipped and, and, and felt your presence here already. But I pray that you'll be with us. The word will go out. It will not return void. That what is said and done will be all for your honor and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have uh, two titles for every sermon. So this morning I, I'd like to talk on the topic, Less is More. Less is More. Or the church that learned to swim. I want to go back in time. It's September 16th, 1876. The place is Swan Quarter, North Carolina. The occasion is the dedication of a, a small but sturdy, propped up on brick piles, white-framed Methodist church. Now you have to understand the congregation had wanted to get a different piece of land, a higher, on higher ground to avoid the frequent flooding that often occurred in the town. But the owner of that land, a man by the name of Sam Sadler, wouldn't sell it to them. He wanted more for that land. He didn't want just a church. He wanted more for that land. So the church had to settle for land that was donated to them on, of all places, Oyster Creek Road. Not exactly the nicest address, you know, for, for a church. It, it, it wasn't ideal, but it was the best they could do. And so they built their church, and they celebrated on that Sunday its dedication. But three days later, a terrific hurricane hit the town. The wind howled, and, and, and the, the, the rain poured down, uh, you know, all through the night and into the, to the next day. And there was much damage. There was a lot of flooding in the, in the town, and, and uh, roofs were torn off, and it was, it was a terrible experience. But eventually the wind died down and was quiet, and it was sort of an eerie quiet as the people looked out to see the destruction of their town. But the people on Oyster Creek Road, they looked out and they saw an amazing, an amazing sight. The little Methodist church was actually sailing on the Hurricane River toward town. They, they, they couldn't believe it, and, and, and men in, in waist-deep water uh, with ropes tried to lasso the, the, the church to keep it from going, but, but to no avail. They had to watch helplessly as their church was moving toward town, evidently to destruction. But that amazing thing happened. It, it, you can't really explain it. It's, it's unexplainable, but it, it seemed as if the church had a mind of its own. Because before it reached town, it made a sharp 
right turn, went two more blocks, and then rested in an empty field. The exact same field owned by Sam Sadler, who wouldn't sell it to them. Now, this is, you might think this is, this is a true story. You can actually Google it. You can look up the church that God uh, moved, or uh, I think if you look up um, Swan Quarter, North Carolina, if you go to the town, there's a plaque there, the Providence, the Methodist Church, the church that, that um, God moved. Now, they, you'll notice they built a, a, an addition to the church. Uh, they added on to that church a little bit. Uh, the, the original church is in the back. Uh, it's not, none of it is used for a church anymore, but it's a historical uh, marker. But it's just amazing that God planned this whole thing. Now, some people say, well, that's just a coincidence. Or that's a one-time event. Well, Chuck Missler said, um, uh, you know, coincidence is simply God working undercover. And God had to do this. And, and, and it shows that God had a sense of humor, even to the name of the man who wouldn't sell it to him, to them. I mean, it couldn't be Tom Smith. It had to be Sam Sadler. So we could say, sad Sam Sadler wouldn't sell. Uh, you know, just God has a sense of humor. Poor old sad Sam Sam. You know, he wanted, see, the, the, poor, the whole point was he wanted more for that piece of land. But in the end, he got less. Because when he saw that sitting in his vacant lot, he knew what he had to do. And he turned over the deed to the property, to that church. He wanted more, but he got so much less. But the little church that thought they got less got so much more of trusting in God. And this brings us to the passage of Scripture that we read earlier in Genesis. We find Abram and Lot. Now, Abram is actually Abraham, but this is earlier in his career uh, before God changed his name. And we find Abram and his family and Lot, his, his nephew, leaving Egypt, and they're settling in this area in the Middle East. And, and God blessed Lot and Abram with a lot of wealth. They had a lot of cattle. Lot had a lot of cattle and had herdsmen that would take care of it. And Abram had much cattle and herdsmen that would take care of it. But as it grew, the land wouldn't support such a large uh, number of cattle. And so the herdsmen uh, of Lot began to quarrel with the herdsmen of Abram, and there was fighting, and, 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 and Abram knew he, he was in a particular situation. He had division in his family. Now, he could divide the land, but the land wouldn't be divided equally. And what I mean by that, yeah, to the east, there was this good uh, land, a lot of grass, a lot of water, great for, for cattle. But to the west, it was, it was uh, mountainous, hilly, and dry. Now, Abram, as the leader of the pack, uh, as the head of the clan, he could have chosen whatever land he wanted to. But he decided, no, he wasn't going to do that. He would let Lot decide, and whatever land he had to take, he knew that he would just trust God. He would just keep trusting in God, and God would bless him. So he told Lot, he said, Lot, I want you to look at the land and choose which land you want. And I can, I can, imagine, uh, I can imagine Lot just kind of looking to the, you know, to the west, you know, kind of going, oh, man, that, yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah, man. But then he looked to the east, and he gazed at grazing grassy green grass. Yes, this, this, this sermon has a lot of tongue twisters. I hope I can get through it. But he, he saw this land, and it was good land. The Bible describes it in a, in a great way. It says that it was like the garden of the Lord. 
It was like the rich lands that they, they left in Egypt. And poor old Abram had to settle for the bad, the less prosperous land. But as the Bible is describing it, as we read earlier, as the Bible was describing this beautiful land, the garden of the Lord, there's a little parenthesis there. It says this, of course, was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you have to understand from a human point of view, Lot made the right choice. I mean, after all, you, you, you know, cattle needs grass. And, and, and from a human point of view, he, he made the, the, the best choice. He chose the more prosperous land. And the Bible says that he chose to pitch his tent toward what? Toward heaven? No. Toward Sodom. Now, this is all in that chapter. I didn't read all the chapter. You know, I'm a school teacher, so I'm giving you homework. Go home and read that entire chapter. But, but the Bible says he chose to pitch his tent toward Sodom, a city that would eventually take its tentacles, suck him into that awful city. And you know the story, how it became so bad that God had to destroy it. Yes, Lot chose more, but how did he end up? With so much less. He lived in the caves of the mountains without a wife. You know what happened to her. And his descendants were, became the descendants of the Amalekites and the Moabites, the enemy of God's chosen people. He chose more, but he got so much less. But what about Abram? Because Abram trusted God, he got the, from a human point of view, the less prosperous land. But God said, Abram, I want you to look to the north. I want you to look to the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see. I'm going to give to your descendants and they shall be as numerous as the dust of the earth and they shall inherit the land forever. And he said, go ahead, walk the length and breadth of it. As far as you walk, all of that land I'm giving to you. The Bible says that he ended up living under the trees of Hebron. There he started that famous Hebron Savings Bank. Well, I had to put a commercial here. My wife is president of Hebron Savings Bank. And, and listen, she's here now. If you need any money, she's got tons of it. You know, just, just go see her after church. She'll give you whatever you want. She doesn't give it to me, but I, she'll, 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 she'll give it to you. No, it's actually under the trees of Hebron, I think. Okay, so much for the commercial. Now back to our regularly scheduled sermon. Uh, but, you know, the, the point is that Abra, Abram chose less but he got so much more. Less is more. What does that mean? And how does it apply to, to us in our, in our daily living? Well, you know, less is more. It doesn't mean you don't, you don't own anything. There are things that you own, but there's things that you own instead of having junk that owns you. Now, I think we're all a little guilty of this. I have in my closet, the top rack is the, the shirts. They're hanging the shirts. And I have lots of shirts hanging up there. The only problem is I, I only wear maybe six or seven of them with any regularity. And, and I think the shirts that I don't wear, I, I think they get jealous. And, and I'll tell you why. The other day I pulled out one of my favorite shirts and it was all wrinkled and beat up. And I said, it finally happened in the middle of the night. The shirts that I don't wear got jealous and beat up this, this favorite shirt of mine. But you know, there's a, there's a scripture that talks about that. It's found in Ecclesiastes 4.6. And it says, better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls with toil 
and chasing the wind. Now, what do we mean by that? It's good to have a handful of tranquility. It's good to have a handful of things that we need and even many of the things that we want. But so often people get greedy. I want more and I want more. And the more they get, the more they want. And, and it's an endless cycle. They're chasing the wind to the point where they can't even afford it. Even if they could afford it, nothing is going to please them. You see, that's the problem with so many today. Now, I want you to understand, there's nothing wrong with being rich. In fact, I'm thankful for Christians that have great wealth. In fact, there is a gift of giving that I think God gives to people. But sometimes we get confused, and we think that the people with the most money are the richest people. The richest people in the world are not necessarily those with the most money, but those that can live with the least. You know, there's, there's so many things that, are, that happen in the world, and, and, we, and we get caught up in this cycle. But, you know, there was a survey done a few years ago, and they asked people, they said, if you only had three months to live, what would you do? What would you like to acquire? What, what would you do? And almost always people said, I would spend more time with family or with God. Very few people say, I, I, I want to have more friends on Facebook or Instagram, or I want to have a better, uh, I want to have a better car. You see, back in biblical times, people worshipped idols. But you know, we do the same thing today. No, we don't worship little, little images that we bow down to. But we still worship idols, the idols of humanism, of greed, of materialism. And there is, is, is a passage of Scripture. It's found in Isaiah 57, 13. And it says, when you cry out for help, let your uh, idols save you. The wind will cast them all away. The mere breath will blow them away. But he that trusts in the Lord shall inherit the land and achieve the high mountain, the holy mountain. Now, it, it's, the whole point is, you know, there's a lot of things that we, we, we gather, but you have to understand that materialistic things, first of all, they can be lost, they can be stolen, they will eventually wear away, and you can't take them with you. But it's so hard in this day and age that we live because we're constantly bombarded in this commercialized world. Buy, 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 buy. You go on Facebook, you see an ad or, or Instagram or, or the TV commercials or, or the radio commercials. You must buy this within the next three minutes or, or this offer won't last long. That it's very, it's very hard to get up with, uh, uh, you know, keep up with, with the material possessions and we're constantly bombarded by it. In fact, we got to the point where we don't even have to go shopping anymore. I mean, all we have to do is touch our phone and we're suddenly lost in Lot's good land of Amazon. Now, I, I got to tell you, that's a little scary because Amazon is destroying the brick and mortar uh, stores. And I'm very upset. I, I still haven't gotten over Toys R Us closing. You know, Toys R Us was right over here and we live here and, and uh, near here and and I just love that store, you know. I love toys and games. That's the best thing. That's something or one of many things that I share with my seven-year-old granddaughter. Uh, we, share, we share that and many other things. Uh, my wife says that's because we both have the brain of a seven-year-old, uh, which, which may be true. Um, 
Now, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I think there's nothing wrong with shopping from, with Amazon or online. In fact, my wife does it all the time. Uh, in fact, we always, it's kind of nice. You, you get little boxes, you know, and you get them. And it's kind of like little presents. Um, and, and, of course, they're all addressed to her, and I don't open them. I don't open them in hope that, you know, she's got a surprise for me. One of them might be for me, you know, so I, I kind of I can't wait till she gets home and see. Uh, it doesn't happen, but I keep hoping. Uh, you know, a few months ago, there was a big box, big old box. And it, it wasn't that heavy, but I couldn't wait. You know, what, what's inside here? I couldn't wait for her to get home. She opened it, and this is, this is the truth. There was 12 boxes of Kleenexes in there. I think someone had red or blue or something. I don't know to, to match the coloring or whatever. Thing. Now, there's nothing wrong, obviously, I'm saying with buying from Amazon or anything. But I think we have to take into consideration what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, lay up your treasures in heaven where, you know, uh, where um, uh, vermin can't, destro can't destroy it and where uh, thieves can't come in and break and steal. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, what did he mean by that? Store up treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Well, you know, if, if you use all the talents that God has given you and, and, and your resources for the world, you become worldly. That's the, that's the very definition of worldly. And you're part of the world, and you're part of a world that you know is seemingly destroying, the, trying to destroy the, the faith in God that we have. You, you, I don't need to go into all that's happening in our public schools and the evil filth that's being taught to our children and, and, and all levels of education and infiltrating uh, all aspects of our life. But he says, if you, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Well, we might, we might look at, at this situation and we might say, where, you know, where did all this thing, where did all this come from? You know, why do we, why are we like that? Why is this that we want more and more and more? It stems from the first sin. The first sin is also the mother of all sins, and it's called pride. And, and, and all the sins can eventually be traced back to pride. And it occurred by Lucifer, the glorious creation that God ever made. You know, this idea of the, the devil being red with horns, that, that, that's not what... The Bible says that Lucifer is like the morning star, most beautiful uh, creation. And not only was he beautiful, but he had all power. He was the archangel. Not all power, but he was the archangel. He was in charge and ahead of all the other angels. He had it all, but he wanted more because of his own pride. And he said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will move my throne above the stars of God. I will make myself like the Most High. He wanted to be God. He wanted more. But how did he end? Oh, the scripture says, Oh, how you have fallen, O morning star, son of dawn. You've been cast down to the abode of the dead. To the deepest pit. Same thing happened in the, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they had it all. Think about it. There was no thunderstorms or hurricanes. The, the earth was at peace. The garden was watered by the early dew. They didn't have to work 
And they could live forever. They had the tree of life. They could live forever. But they wanted more. Oh, but you shall become like gods, knowing good and evil. And we know what happened when they wanted more. And we are all products of that, of that great, of that great sin. You see, church, the, the work of the Lord needs to continue by us giving our efforts, our talents, and our resources for Him. And we need to understand that this concept of more that we want will end up less. But we need to say this morning, less of me, Lord, and more of you. That is our prayer this morning. And also we have to understand that tomorrow matters. See, the problem with Lot was he wasn't thinking about tomorrow. He, he wasn't thinking, what, what does it mean to pitch my tent towards Sodom? He, he wasn't thinking that. He just saw the lure of the, of the wonderful land. And we know how that ended. Church, we remember the past. We live in the present. But we must also understand the future as well. The future as well. Now, we're starting a series called, you know, on stewardship. Well, what is stewardship? Stewardship is simply how we use everything God has entrusted to us. That's what we mean by stewardship. And I'll tell you, God has blessed us. I, I look at Lift Church. You're not even four years old yet. You're, you're almost, uh, but you're, and, and how God has blessed you. Because it is a community of believers who are using their talents and using their resources to the advance of the kingdom of God and to bless souls. It's important that we come, to gather together, we worship together. Every, every Sunday, as, as Pastor Drew, as you heard earlier, we say He lifts. God has given us so much. He has lifted us up. He has given us so much. And then we say, I, I lift. But if you'll notice the, the logo of lift, and I know you know this, it's all capital letters except the I. It's a little, little I there. And you'll learn this if you take the next steps. And, you know, we, we have to do certain things for our, you know, self. And we'll, we'll talk about one of those is salvation a little bit. I lift. But we also know that no man is an island. We lift. It's important that we come together as a corporate body of Christ to use our talents. And I, and I see this dream team come. And I don't know if you realize, they come early in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning to set this up. Uh, we come together uh, using our talents and our resources for Him. I started this sermon about the little church that learned to swim. And I want to go back to that. I want us to go back and, and imagine what the members of that church must have felt as they were going through this process. They wanted that land from Sam Sadler, but he wouldn't sell. And I'm sure they, 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 they saw that as a, as a tragedy. That's a trial. Oh, Lord, why, why are you doing that? And if they're, I don't know that this happened. But, um, but if, it, if it did, you know, if they're like you know, normal churches, there's probably one or two that got mad at God and said, I don't know why God didn't give us that. Uh, I, I'm going to pout. Probably stayed away from, uh, from church for about uh, a couple of weeks before he, was, before he got back. They saw that as a tragedy. But then they get over it. They build the church. And then three days later, they see the floodwaters of, the, of, that, of that river, the floodwaters of that hurricane, literally lift up the church from its brick pilings and start it down its 
maiden and only voyage. And they probably cried out, God, why are you doing this to us? This isn't fair. You wouldn't give us the land. And now we had to, to, to go on Oyster Creek Road. And I'm sure that, you know, when people said, you know, where's your church? They probably said, well, Oyster Creek Road. You know, they're probably ashamed. And now, not only that, but we're going to witness our church being smashed into a tree or something. They saw all these things as trials until God said, little church, make a right-hand turn. I've got a place for you. You see, Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. All things. Yes, the good things that we understand are good, but yes, even the bad things. We don't understand it right now. And I know a lot of us, I, I think many, I think the devil's out to, to, to hinder as many people. I know of many hurting Christians uh, in their jobs or, 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 or in situations in their lives that are hurting. But I want you to know God has a plan for your life. All things work together for good if we keep trusting in Him. But I think, I think the little church that learned to swim also applies not to just that local church, but to the, the body of Christ, even what we're experiencing now. It was just a few uh, years ago where, where the pandemic hit. And we cried out, God, why is this happening? Lyft was, was just a, a little more than a year before the pandemic hit. And now they're telling us we can't even meet together. I was an associate pastor, but at, at that time I was also an interim pastor. And, and as the interim pastor, I, you know, with, within less than a week, I, I didn't know what to do. We have to, we have to uh, switch gears here and do something. Well, with, that was bad enough, but it's, what's even worse is what happened after that and what's happening now. It seems there's an explosion from the very pits of Satan himself pouring forth all kind of filth over our country. And we can cry, God, why is this happening? Church, I believe that God is separating the wheat from the chaff. He's building a, a, a leaner, mightier church that is going to defeat the powers of hell and Satan. We're part of that. No, we're not going to give up. We're not going to let you take our young people. We're not going to let you put this filth. We are going to stand on the truth no matter what. And Lift, I'm excited because Lift, if you think about it, you're that little church. Because in a few moments, or a few, a few months, you're going to be moving to another location. You've experienced the days of Elijah. And you had great miracles performed. There used to be a song, a contemporary song 30 years ago, Days of Elijah. It was one, it's one of the good, they're still singing it there. You've experienced the days of Elijah, blessing after blessing. But I'm going to tell you, the days of Elijah for lift are over. What do you mean, Pastor Dean? Because it's now the days of Elisha. Elisha was his uh, was his mentor, was the mentor, was, was his pupil. And he said, Oh, I love the, the, what Elijah did, but I want a double blessing. And do you know that Elijah did twice as many miracles as Elijah? We're entering the days of Elisha. We're on that, we're, we're, we've learned to swim. Now I gotta tell you, the world is gonna try to get ropes and try to hold you back. You know, I, I can imagine some, some, some man telling his wife, Hey, Mildred, did, did you hear that there's a church going in Gander Mountain? I don't know why, why, I don't know why they want a church there. I love Gander Mountain. I, I got all my fishing rods from Gander Mountain. If you like fishing rods, come to life. I lift. And come to life when you come to lift.
Because we've got all kinds of fishing rods, but we're not catching fish. We're catching the lost souls for Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, the very gates of hell will not prevail against it because we're a body of Christ that knows and uses the talents that God has given us. And we use our finances as scriptural. Tithing is a biblical principle. Malachi says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there can be food in my house. And then God says something that's absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing. He doesn't say this anywhere else. He says, trust me and I will pour out the floodgates of heaven that you won't be able to even contain. Lift pays tithes. 10% of what comes in. Uh, I mean, of all the money that comes in, 10% goes out for other ministries. I tell you, church, the half has yet been told of the history of this church and the church in general. Lift your greatest days are ahead as we fight the battle. But because of God's people using their talents and their resources and coming together as a unit, as Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we look at the world situation today and sometimes we cry, why God? But Lord, you've given us a plan. You've, given, you've blessed us. You've given us talents. You've given us resources. And Lord, we give them to you. Lord, we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And while, we're, while everyone is praying, I love that song that the, uh, that the band played earlier. God loved you so much. He cared for you that he was willing to come and die for you. I'll tell you, so many times the devil tries to use people uh, that's past. They'll say, oh, your past is so bad. There's nothing you can do. You, there's, you might as well give up. That's a lie of the devil. There's a song called No Yesterdays. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, every sin that you've done has been cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The church, it can't be just you coming to church. It, it's not just fe a feel-good experience. Or if you're watching it at home, or, you know, this is something to do. Each and every one of us, this is where the I part comes in, has to make a decision for Christ. And it's not hard. But it takes a sincere belief. A belief that says, yes, God, I, I know you love me so much that you sent Jesus Christ who loved me, that he was willing to die for me. I don't care what you've done in the past. God says, I don't care. You are special. Like they said, you, every one of you are special. And if you've never realized that, if you've never, you, you might have gone to church, you, you might have uh, sung the songs or prayed the prayers, but if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you need to do it now. And it's simple. Just believe, believe. It's not a matter of just mincing words or, or repeating words. It's believing and simply saying, yes, Jesus, I know that you love me. I know you died for me, and I want to serve you in, in my heart. I thank you for dying for my sins. And it doesn't mean everything's going to be rosy. It doesn't mean that you'll never fall back. But you will always be guided as you keep your faith in Christ Jesus. So right now, if you've never done that, and I'm not going to tell you the words to say, 
but it's just simply believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what it's all about. Oh, Lord, as people are praying at home or in this audience, Lord, we're so thankful that you loved us so much that you were willing to die for us. We're so thankful you've given us so much, Lord, that it's, it's nothing for us to give back the, the talents that you've given us and, and the resources that we have to further your kingdom. But this morning, Lord, everyone who doesn't right know the Lord right now, as they're saying, Lord, I want you to come into my life, that you'll bless them and guide them. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for this pastoral staff and, and, and everything involved in here. We're thankful that it's the light is going out to the world and a saving message of Jesus Christ. I thank you for this church. I thank you for God's church all around the world. Please bless, continue to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.